Hey, welcome to the Comic Syllabus Podcast. Um, today we're going to talk about Girl on Fire, a new graphic novel from Harper Alley by Alicia Keys. Yes, that Alicia Keys. Co-written by Andrew Weiner and John, uh, brilliantly by Brittany Williams. Um, Girl on Fire is a graphic novel for all ages um, about a girl with uh, who discovers in the midst of her teen life as a as a Brooklynite with her family um, and her community facing a bunch of trouble that she has some powers and how she uh, uses those powers and and uh, addresses police brutality and violence and uh, temptation is uh, is what Girl on Fire is all about. The spirit of Alicia Keys in a comic book, it's pretty nice. Um, also, just to talk a little bit about violence and just a content warning that we will be talking about violence. Um, and talking about talking about violence. Um, it's all that ahead today on the Comic Syllabus Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Friends, uh, it is um, March 19th. Yes. And um, we are, um, wow, you know, we're we're in the thick of spring. Um, that daylight saving thing happened. <laughs> it was a rough week for losing an hour of sleep. A rough week all around. You know, I, I, I find that... Um, being back in person in the classroom in school this year has reminded me how much being a teacher puts you, um, you know, how you're doing and how you're feeling is, although it's, of course, you know, primarily your own life and, and health and stuff like that. It's just you can't separate how, well, I can't. I don't know about anybody else. I can't separate how I'm doing with how we are doing. You know, the vibe of the class, the the, the, the sort of spirit level of you know the school uh, kids and their and their communities and their families, and spring uh, on one hand um, brings you know uh, along with uh, relaxed mask mandates and things like that. Um, you know it brings a kind of like energy, a kind of new life. You know, and and many of our students who are after a year of distance learning, um, who who return to school um, in some ways really, really um, cautious, fearful, um, resilient, but, um, but you know, conscientious, uh, have been together for all school year and in some ways are cutting loose. And in, and, and in so many ways, it's a relief for me to see, like there's a joy for me to see them just kind of like, you know, playing and, and, and goofing and, and just being themselves. Um, but also comes with that um, a lot of reckoning and realization of like what's been missing, of what's been lost, and uh, and at the same time, you know, there's just there are things going on, and kids continue to talk about and and in some ways um, come out of a silent period of shock, I think of 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 what they've experienced, and so um, families starting to talk about the loss that they have sort of not even not they didn't even get to to really truly grieve and mourn, um, as well as uh, just, you know, uh, second order effects and ripple effects of things that have, have transpired this past year. And, you know, meanwhile, of course, there's um, there's war in, in Ukraine and um, there's just ongoing recognition of, of pain and loss. There's, uh, you know, continued anti-Asian violence. There's um, continued you know, um, contention and, and political polarization about critical race theory. <laughs> Man, I got to tell you, I, I had to tell my colleagues, you know, we're, we're going to have to put away all of the critical race theory that 
we've been uh, uh, teaching in our all our critical race theory textbooks. Everybody, <laughs> let's put, let's put it away. <laughs> it's uh, so ridiculous. Um, just to be super clear, I am um, deeply, deeply indebted to critical race theory for my conceptualization. Not the uh, you know um, straw man that the right has um, made its latest ideological punching bag in the culture wars in schools. I'm talking about um, real critical race theory, <laughs> which um, it's just so funny because, you know, five years ago, just listening to um, academics and educators talk about like, oh, I wish we could really kind of, you know, help everyday educators um, <laughs> understand, grasp, and, and recognize the, uh, uh, you know, the contributions of critical race theory. And now, before it had a chance to really... Uh, <laughs> actually take a hold it's already a, a you know the, anyway um where does critical race theory come from <laughs> comes from a recognition that our institutions and systems are um historically aligned to um to maintain certain outcomes and uh and indeed we have a system of policing and um, criminal justice, uh, quote unquote, and, uh, you know, um, uh, penal system. And um, it, it reaches down into two schools and the ways we educate or miseducate um, or, in fact, accrue an educational debt to our, our children. Um, and, you know, I, I feel like working in schools um, keeps me from cynicism about all of that because you know you <laughs> me and my middle class existence is like ah oh, so horrible and then meanwhile kids are like no i'm 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 ready to blow up like <laughs> i'm ready to do something in this world like don't don't you get you know depressed on my behalf because i'm ready to light the world <laughs> on fire and uh, and the kids uh, and their families and their um, spark of of you know beautiful defiance uh, keep you going, keep me feeling like I gotta keep working. Um, that's that's what it's been like. It's the, uh, the the despair of the world and the inspiration of our youth. Um, so anyway, that's been teaching for me, and um, and here we are, deep into spring. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, um, I was excited to get this girl on fire book. Now I got to say last week, uh, we had an episode of the comic syllabus that podcast that, um, was only for folks who are subscribed to the Substack. You don't have to be a paid subscriber. You can be a free newsletter sign up. Uh, but over at comicsyllabus.substack.com. And I know Substack doesn't, um, isn't everybody's, uh, thing. And, and some people have, really well-reasoned moral objections or or whatever whatever reasons uh, you're frustrated with Substack. I totally get it. I have um, a huge ton of, you know, writers, journalists, artists, um, creatives that I respect and admire who are there. Um, and then there are also people who have, you know, said thanks but no thanks and others who are who have um, objections, um, including to some of the folks that Substack has has supported and fronted, and, and I totally get that. Um, I, I don't know that, you know, um, I, I don't know that there's a platform or a source that I have found that I wouldn't have those kinds of 
tensions and, and questions with. Um, but watching the comics creators who they have invested in be there makes me feel like, um, just as there are so many other institutions and other locations that are, are, are tainted that you have to sort of, you know, um, call out and recognize and, and, uh, and you know, name things that are, that are really um, objectionable. Um, it's part of the history of, of, of who we are and part of our uh, ongoing contradictions as human beings. Yet um, there can be really good things that, uh, that happen there as well. I, I mean, you know, one of the things that I guess I, I wonder about a lot is when, um, when we get to support creators and when creators have the full freedom to make what they um, what they want to say and what they want to do in the world, um, that involves a level of, I think, artistic honesty um, and, in a way, vulnerability, um, where artists have to become uh, even more conscientious about the power in their post in their position and and what they do with that. And you know, I, I don't know some of the comics creating happening on Substack is like wonderfully, you know, remarkably, um, you know, creating these, these like wonderful, like needed megaphones and, and, and communities of connection for, um, you know, for, for, you know, fans of a certain creator or people interested in, in, in you know, fascinating world building or um, even sort of like trans lives, you know, or, or, climate justice or, you know, all kinds of cool things. Um, but also embedded in that is some some serious contradiction. And, you know, hopefully the art is working through that and on that. And hopefully the discourse gets to respond to that in a very um, honest, naked way that the internet kind of does. And I, I feel like I see that happening in Substack as well. Um, and so I've been enjoying, you know, Sirens of the City, which I talked about last uh, podcast episode, uh, the one that was exclusively on the, on the Substack, um, which is from Glass Eye Studios, which is Joanne uh, Stare and uh, Kari Randolph's uh, comic. And, uh, you know, I, I think cool things are going on there. Uh, and this one is definitely not for kids, but the, um, the, uh, the comic that is being serialized on exploding giraffe which is the substack um of uh brian k vaughn and uh nico henry chong i think i'm not sure how to pronounce that that artist's name but they uh they created pride of baghdad a number of years decade and a half ago and and now they're doing this comic called spectators which is very not safe for work and very not for kids but um it's actually leaning into the the ways that we kind of ogle I think at violence and sex, and it's pretty brutal. Um, every time I get a page or a few pages of that in my inbox, I'm always like, "Oh, I, I don't know if I can look at this right now on my phone." Um, but and yet the story is um, within you know 20 or 30 pages already really absorbing me. Anyway, all that to say that you know I think that these artists are being able to to explore and think about um, violence and um, sexuality and um, you know, and, and to tell stories and to, th and to talk about storytelling in interesting ways on Substack. And, and you know, that's why I'm there. Um, I feel a little ambivalent about it. And yet um, it's not the artists themselves. Um, it's questions about speech, questions about platforming and things like that. 
Um, but anyway, <laughs> you're listening to this podcast either on my Substack or at uh, multiversitycomics.com where where we live. So check check out all the good stuff there at Multiversity. Um, speaking of that um, ambivalence, I think that there's um, a lot of, uh, you know, as an educator thinking about what kids are experiencing and going through and what youth are and how that, you know, I, 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 I think I want to talk about on this podcast and think about comics that are that may be written to be available and accessible for all ages. But I assume, I hope that if you're listening, you're interested. Um, and, and I think this could be very true of, of many comics readers. You know, you're, you're not sort of like, oh, my, I'm interested in that for my little cousin <laughs> or, or my daughter. But actually, you know, you're interested in it because the, um, you know, the, 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 the ways that we can learn from culture, even if it's uh, directed toward young, young readers or at least accessible and, 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 and meant to be um, available to young readers is the same stuff that, you know, um, shaped us as kids. And, and, and we are interested in, in how it can shape us now and, and teach us something now. And I think Girl on Fire is one of those kinds of books. Um, so Girl on Fire is written by Alicia Keys. Um, the, the name is indeed uh, the name of that well-known song. Um, Keys is one of my top 10 musical artists, like, ever like throughout my my life uh since uh what is it the first key songs in the key of i don't know i don't forgot what alicia keys early album was but i listened to it a lot uh way back uh and still do sometimes and uh, i find alicia keys to be a an artist who's um i don't know i feel like integrity um certainly her style has um always sort of like made made her, uh, you know, part of my, my, my playlists. Um, so I was kind of really interested. Like, ooh, Alicia Keys is going to do a graphic novel. Um, and I, I don't mean to be so Harper Alley focused. I kind of accidentally uh, last week talked about Wingbearer by Marjorie Liu and Tenny Isakanian, uh, which is from Harper Alley. And I think next week I'm going to talk about Squire, um, which is uh, another book that came out by, uh, uh, I think it's Sarah Alfeji and, and Nadia Shamas. Forgive me for uh, mispronouncing those names. Um, also from Harper Alley, I didn't mean to have such a Harper Alley focused um, thing. I just like, these were books that were coming out that I was like, oh, that looks really good. Um, I also want to talk about um, Edo Brennis' Memories from Limon, and that's from No Brow. So that'll break us away from the the hyper harper alley alley that i've i've taken us down this month but uh anyway uh really you know it's it is the visual splendor and attractiveness of all of these books um tenia sakanian's beautiful art on wing bear uh i i love Brittany williams despite last last week forgetting what uh, she worked on <laughs> previous to this and then oh i can't wait to talk about squire i haven't actually read it all but it's just a Utterly gorgeous book, but um, but they uh, they just were all these beautiful comics that I was really interested in uh, from previews, and and they all happened to be in Harper Alley. So so that's that. Um, Girl on Fire is uh, you know titled the title of the song. Uh, sorry, the title of the book is like the song. Every chapter of the eight or so chapters of this book named after um, one of uh, Alicia Keys's songs, and so. It's it's the kind of thing that has its own play, creates its own playlist, you know. Um, 
the first chapter is is called perfect way to die and and if you are a fan of alicia keys or or just um you know music uh that was a song that came out in 2020 um in the wake of you know, michael brown brianna taylor Armad arbery um murder of of um black folks just living life by police and um you know the the um, sort of burst of of Black Lives Matter um, activism and speech and expression and fury and um, and hope and energy that came at that time and that's when um, Perfect Way to Die. So if you haven't checked out that song, you can definitely look for it in whatever your music source is um, or on YouTube or whatever. That uh, I remember that music video, watching it and really being quite affected by it. Anyway, that. Perfect Way to Die is the name of the first chapter of this graphic novel. And um, the book itself is about a character named Lolo, uh, Loretta. And she's a teenager. I think she's in 10th grade. Um, and she has a brother who's also in 10th grade. They go to the same school, a best friend, Naya or Nia. And um, and her father, uh, Billy Wright, is is sort of, um, you know, he's a business owner. He, he, he runs a moving company. Um, small, you know, mainly him and, and <laughs> hopefully some more employees and a truck. Um, they live in, in uh, housing projects in Brooklyn. Um, and they also live with um, uh, Lolo's grandmother, uh, her, her mother's mother, who um, even though Lolo's mother sort of ran off a while back, um, her father, Billy, wanted to take care of um, what would have been his, mother, his, his, uh, his mother-in-law. And uh, and so here's uh, Dad Billy Wright, you know, trying to run a business, trying to uh, keep that alive. Um, here's the family living in the housing projects. Here's um, best friend. Here's school life and all the all the stuff going on in school. There's also another kind of maybe secondary main character named Runt, um, aka Michael. And Michael lives with his cousins, and and he's he's really being tempted. Um, he seems to have. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you know that that kind of thing that happens in in adolescence when you when you know you got to take care of your own and yourself, and it seems sometimes the only viable way is to um, is to to march in step with um, more insidious and villainized parts of of the community, and so all that is is kind of represented by the the villain of this of this story was somebody named Skin, and Skin has got tattoos and skin is trying to um you know run the run the game run the streets um the the drug 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 dealing and the shakedowns of businesses and things like that um really early in the book and this is kind of in reference to uh, perfect way to die that song um james which is lolo's brother uh gets uh assaulted by police officers who uh think that he is responsible for for you know a theft that happens in the neighborhood and um the kind of you know it's it's uh similar to hate you give and and really a lot of powerful pieces of literature that um you know you you, I, i think it's so important to tell stories where the first thing we find out is not that somebody is a suspect but that they are a brother a son a grandson, a friend, you know, a kid going to school. And, you know, in the first 
chapters and the first pages, these are just kids going to school, dealing with bullies and, and you know, what am I going to wear and who am I hanging out with and, and who's going to, you know, want to dance with me or whatever. And then, um, I, and then you get the lump in your throat when you realize that, that you, or when, when they experience um, being singled out by police and being um, treated uh, uh, as, as second-class human. Um, and, and then it, 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 you know, even further rattles you to the fact of that experience, um, in, in young men and women everywhere. Um, and so you kind of get Lolo's rage, I think, and you get her, her sort of, um, there's, there's a, there's, um, in Brittany Williams's amazing art. So Brittany Williams has this, um, penchant for using that kind of um i say this i I resort to this too much i should stop i I need to find better language for this y'all write me in tell tell me some better language for this i was gonna say like a style that reminds me a lot of animation but animation itself is so visually diverse i don't know what what that even means anymore um just that maybe that there are some styles that are a little bit more along the lines of traditional comics art and then there's a style that is very um inflected with popular animation and I think Brittany Williams does that and does it so well because those um more exaggerated figures and simpler um lines uh get to make characters so much more expressive um uh, for nerds like me it might just be like you know how Batman (laughs) the way that uh, Neil Adams drew Batman was super cool on a page but uh hard to translate into cartoons and yet somehow the paul dini batman animated series batman uh could be so iconic and actually so expressive and then in simplicity more like cartooning itself um so much more human and than than the you know uncanny valley super realistic alex ross style of art and 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 girl on fire gets to make these characters that um you really do feel a, a great deal of um, empathy, relief, and um, sympathetic anger and, and frustration with um, in the way that Brittany Williams can use the dynamics of, of um, page and placement and, um, and you know, panels to uh, heighten the, the, the sort of tension and drama. You know, you watch uh, Lolo and, his, and, and, and her relationship with Runt, Runt, who you can just see making bad choices and um lolo even has a um a friend uh sorry an enemy a friend of me <laughs> there's a this is giving giving a little bit away but there's an i can't remember the kid's name but you know this other kid was just a pain in the butt but you know through repeated uh being forced to work together on school projects kinds of thing winds up becoming a friend um the that evolution of a you know dynamic human relationships in this kind of art style can can super super work like we we've seen uh enough uh you know animated work that this is not kid stuff anymore there's incredible depth uh, capable within this and just like any pixar movie or whatever i think the pacing um of the story and the elements that are introduced um by alicia keys and by um co-writer andrew weiner um, really do a, good, a nice job of, of, of pulling you in, pacing it out, and um, 
And, you know, this suffers from the same thing that I felt a little bit with Wingbearer last week, which is that these YA kid middle grade graphic novels, they, um, they, they build and they build and you just want more and more and you don't know if it's just going to end too abruptly because your pages are running out. And I'm getting toward the end and I'm like, this is all building towards a big climax and I hope it's not a disappointing, uh, you know, third act. Um, I don't think it really was with Girl on Fire, but it does end. It does have a feeling to me of ending uh, qu- quicker than I would hope. I, I would love. I could linger longer. Uh, maybe that's just me. Um, but the the story gets to um, gets to touch on on you know uh, on how you deal with police brutality, how you stay loyal to family, uh, questions about, you know, loyalty to neighborhood and what you owe to each other, temptations to to seeking power and violence. Um, but I think most of all, it's about finding and living with the power within you um, because Lolo discovers that she has powers, you know? Um, and it's I think it's just interesting how so much, you know, comic book movies or, you know, fantasy novels or whatever it's just, just so much about you know powers representing power and and i still have yet to meet an actual person with superpowers um, but i i meet so many superpowered people i those are the kids that i'm talking about the the students i teach are are super powered with things that um not levitation or or um you know being able to shoot blasts out of their hands but this this something uh, incredible in the life within them um and so what 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 do you do with that how do you find that and once you do um when does it become a kind of force that you must learn uh restraint with before you become like those who've hurt you um that's kind of the question you know in girl on fire you know like this girl this girl is on fire Oh, <laughs> but but and, and there's so many there could be so many good justifications to just, you know, um, we rewatched Spider-Man No Way Home and, and and having seen it in a drive in movie theater. There's so much that we missed. So rewatching it with, you know, with my wife and kid. Uh, wow, I was crying. You know, and and I I think I had missed the first time how much it is also about this question that is just woven throughout those superhero narratives and MCU movies and all that kind of stuff. This question of restraint, you know, um, becomes a a key moral question. What, um, when do you hold, when do you need to hold back your power once you've found it? Because using that power to defend and protect is part of finding your identity. But then finding how you uh, hold it back and when you need to be governed by better angels or whatever um, is so important. Um, and, and and is the moral question, you know, when you you have experienced oppression, when you've experienced loss, when people you love have been taken away from you. I think that's... Um, no, like so spoilers no i won't I'll, I'll there's not really spoilers it's just super general like you know peter parker has to deal with those moments in that question in the movie um it's it's in so many superhero narratives and so many stories about finding the power within you 
And I, I think it is also so much of a question, not just of adolescence, but of maturity for all of us, you know. Um, you know, I, I keep thinking about the questions that the media uh, members keep volleying at Jen, Jen Psaki or, or, or President Biden, like, you know, when will you, what will it take? What's the bright, you know, red line? What, you know, are we going to war? Are you going to send troops? You know, like, at what point do you start to go on the offensive with Russia or, or whatever? And the the really delicate dance that they must make to say we we need to, we know we should, we must, we will, we have, we um, are morally... Um, obligated to to send forces to to defend and yet we don't want to become the the excuse or the reason for um, escalation um, we don't want to um, uh, actually turn you know turn the notch up we don't want to take away the fight from the ukrainians themselves and so on and just really complicated questions about peace and and whether there is such a thing as just war and or the, and you know consequences of putting your thumb on the scale with with powers uh, in the midst of conflicts and and these are things that I think young people um, are reckoning with all the time. You know, it, it's it's such, such a fascinating thing for me to think about my students and the power that they're discovering within themselves, whether it is, you know, the ability to, to express, you know, negative emotions, which they have, have always had, but are really finding um, in, in new ways, or the power to persuade, or the power to allure, or the power to, to convince, or the power to, to, to make people laugh, or the, the power to scare someone, you know, with just sort of, you know, our size <laughs> or the power to, to, um, to, you know, weave a, a, an incredible story or the power to, to, um, create and invent and engineer things. And, and, and kids discover these things, young people, adolescents discover these things and then find that it is so integral to their identity. There's this liberation. When you see this like pride that they walk with, that I could do this thing, you know, whatever it may be, um, I can kill it with an essay or on a soccer field or, <laughs> or the, with a math equation, you know, and then to, to see them see it have these unintended consequences sometimes. And then just to reckon with like, wow, at the same time that I am this thing and I own this thing, everyone's trying to put the, the, the fences around it. And I have to learn how not to, you know, hurt anybody by being all that I am. Um, civility and you know um, our obligations to each other um, and at the end of the day you know um, for especially for you know for for um, kids who are, are whose communities identities are feel continually under assault to have to be able to say I am on fire you know I'm on fire uh, but that doesn't um, that doesn't mean I just kind of let it burn, however, uh, 
that's uh, that's a little bit of what Girl on Fire, um, I think, projects or meditates on. And, you know, a fascinating part of, of it is Alicia Keys as a, as, a, as a musical artist who, you know, has used her platform for, you know, AIDS and awareness and, and, and all kinds of other things, you know, to have a power in her musicality and, and a power in her presence, um, a power in even her physical beauty and wearing very proudly um, her skin and hair and, and who she is um, in this kind of honesty and so this strength. Um, I, I, I love that. I'm inspired by that. I love that for myself and for uh, my daughter, for our, our, our youth. Um, and I think that um, the story can, can kind of become a superpower itself, just like the music can become a power when, uh, you know, there's, a, there's all these questions of, well, yes, we have to, you know, stand up and yes, we have to hold, we have to gather our community, find uh, our resources and networks for strength, hold power accountable. Yes, we got to do those things. Um, but also there is this power in our art and in our, our storytelling to, um, to fortify uh, ourselves and next generation, our community around us. That's what uh, comics can do. Um, yeah, I got, I got. I think I recommend *Girl on Fire*. This one, see, I what I do is I get these books, these great books. I I uh, read them, I talk about them on this podcast, uh, and then I bring them to my classroom, put them in, <laughs> put them in kids' hands. It's the best. It's the best life. Um, so uh, so next week I'd like to talk about Squire and um, and maybe memories from Limon as well. And maybe check in a little bit with um, with uh, Substack Comics and other things that I've been reading. Um, yeah. Speaking of other things that I've been reading, while we're here, what have you been reading? What's been on your mind? I'm curious to know. Um, you know, I, I um, let's see. I, the 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 family, <laughs> the daughter and wife and I have been re- been watching a lot of We Bear Bears. You see this show? It's Cartoon Network, and you know you catch it on Hulu or whatever or HBO. Um, it's a fun show. Uh, that was a that was a gem. And I think there's still new episodes of We Baby Bears going on, um, uh, created by a, uh, a an animator named Daniel Chong. A lot of fun. Um, so. My daughter's been really into Wee Bear Bears. We've been watching a lot of that. Just funny. Um, also, I've been, um, as I mentioned last week, teaching a bunch of graphic novels. And I'm, and I'm gearing up to teach um, not a graphic novel, um, but a book that um, was written for, including inclusive of younger audience, but not exclusive to them, uh, called Marrow Thieves. Um, I'm excited to teach that book. It's all part of what I've been uh, uh, lucky enough to be involved in. Our, our school where I teach has been working on a, a project. It's a grant with the neighborhood university to um, teach climate climate change, climate science, climate um, justice, environmental justice, uh, all kind of linked together and across disciplines. And so doing that as an English teacher, we've been studying, talking about like um, climate change and the the contribution of particularly beef um so gave up eating beef for lent i think i'm gonna stick with it 
I'm really quite, I'm pretty okay <laughs> not eating beef. And, uh, and boy, we could, we could use less of, uh, uh you know, land being, um, turned into grazing pasture, um, for the sake of our, of our world. Um, but we've been also learning from, you know, like young activists, um, like the Sunrise Movement and, uh, and Shie Bastida, um, and, uh, and, and, you know, folks like that, just these, these, you know, really teenagers who are holding our world leaders and corporations and, and ourselves, our communities into, into account to say this future, uh, this world, you know, needs to, we need to hard pivot uh, um, to, to, gosh, not even to head off, but really to, to try to, to, to not further um, throw ourselves into kind of ecological disaster. And so, uh, you know, end of this month is going to be Cesar Chavez Day. Uh, school I teach at is, is named for for Cesar Chavez, and and so you know, look at Dolores Huerta's um, uh, ecological work and and justice work. So, and there's a big global teach-in for climate on May 30th. We'll be doing that, I think. Um, so that's the fun stuff. Uh, thank you so much for listening and being here. The comic syllabus. Um, check us out at multiversitycomics.com and at comicsyllabus.substack.com. Um, weigh in. Let me know what's good and uh, what I should be reading, what you're reading. Um, thanks much. Let's keep reading.